Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. Hi, it's Caroline Stephen, financial journalist. Today on Talking Trading, we dedicate the episode to good habits. As Chris Tate says, good habits define your success. Louise Bedford says that your trading success comes down to your micro habits. And in today's show, we look at the New York Times bestselling author James Clear and his book, Atomic Habits as Dr. Harry Stanton and I discuss some of the concepts in the book and ways to improve your habits. As Clear says, the quality of our lives depends upon the quality of our habits and that our success is a product of daily habits. So before we go to Dr. Harry Stanton, let's hear from Louise Bedford in Mind Power on that other habit that many high achievers have. Do you like to talk shop? you the type of person who likes to talk shop? You know when you get home from work but you still like to discuss all of the projects and the things that are going on in your work life? Or are you the type of trader who loves to dissect your trades with somebody and discuss every aspect of what you're aiming to do to be a better trader, to be a better person, to be a better, more efficient, more effective project manager in the large project of your own life and of your own work? Do you like to talk shop? Because often the people who like to talk shop I'm definitely one of them. Often they marry people who don't like to talk shop. That type of person prefers once they get home from their job or from their business to stop talking about that type of thing. They prefer to switch off completely. And once they take off their tie or their high heels, then that's it for them. They don't want to be involved with thinking about things like that until they have to go back to that grindstone. Now, this particularly comes into play in the fact that people who talk shop and like to do so sometimes feel abandoned. They sometimes feel that they're not getting the recognition they deserve for being so dedicated and so focused on their business, their trading, their projects. So if you do like to talk shop, you need to find other people who like to talk shop to hang out with. And that's one of the reasons why hanging out with traders, with like-minded people, with people with a success focus is so important. It helps drive you on. It helps make you feel heard. 
and it's up to you to cultivate those friendships. So find some other people who will like you to hang out with. Either switch off completely if you don't like to talk shop so that you can rejuvenate and just do things that suit you that are not work focused. Or if you do like to talk shop, then find some other traders to hang out with. Oh, they are there and they are waiting to talk shop with you. They would love to hear your views. Call a trader friend today. You know you want to. The Trading Game Mentor Program is a six-month repeat-for-free course. You'll become a superb trader across every time frame with every instrument. Chris Tate and I give you our personal secrets and tricks so that you can develop the fabulous lifestyle where you call the shots. If you want to get the results, the lifetime support and a warm, caring trading community, then you need to register for priority notification. Go to tradinggame.com.au forward slash priority. We're getting ready to release a whole batch of free trading resources and you'll get advanced notice about when we're running our very next mentor program so that you can be number one on the list. That website again, tradinggame.com.au forward slash priority. Hi, I'm Terence O'Dean, the Red Family Foundation Professor of Finance at UC Berkeley, and I like talking trading. James Clear is the author of the New York Times best-selling book called Atomic Habits. He's been publishing articles about habits which have appeared in Time, Entrepreneur and Forbes magazine. A little bit about James Clear's backstory. In high school, James Clear was hit in the face with a baseball bat. He had a broken nose, multiple skull fractures and two shattered eye sockets. He went into a coma. But he did survive, although the act of blowing his nose tended to push his left eye outward in the socket and his eyeball for a time was held precariously in place by his eyelid and the optic nerve attaching the eye to the brain. But through many surgeries and intense physical therapy, James Clear recovered and he went on to win a college scholarship playing baseball. It was in college, with his drive to recover physically and his love of baseball, that he learned excellent habits. While his peers stayed up late and played video games, he went to bed early each night. In the messy world of a college dorm, he made it a point to be neat and tidy, and these habits gave him a sense of control over his life and his confidence. And it helped his schooling too. He earned straight A's after he was hit in the face with a baseball bat and he was selected as the top male athlete at Denison University and was one of a few people named to the academic All-America team. He felt he'd fulfilled his potential through his habits. He learned that changes that seem small and unimportant at first will compound into remarkable results if you're willing to stick with them. As Clear says, the quality of our lives depends upon the quality of our habits. So who better person to talk about the power of habits than behavioural psychologist and peak performance coach, Dr. Harry Stanton. Dr. Harry, hello and welcome back to Talking Trading. Yes, nice to be back again. Let's talk about the opening line of the book, the quality of our lives 
depend upon the quality of our habits. True or false, Dr. Harry? Yeah, I'd go for true on that one. I think sweeping generalisation, but I think people find it life a lot easier when they have a set of routines, or you can call them habits, that they can do automatically. They don't have to think about every little thing they're doing. And uh, I think that's very helpful to people, particularly as they get older, when uh, our memories fail. <laughs> speak, 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 speaking here from personal experience. And you can just do the habit that you've got ingrained in there. You just do this over and over and over again without necessarily having to think about it. Let's talk about the value of systems. Goals are vital but it's systems that will get you there. Now, we have training systems to get us there. What's the value of systems? I think the main value of them is they're mechanical, automatic. You know, we well know that your only way probably to really be successful trading is to have it automated almost. You know, you have an entry point, you have an exit point, and you do, and you have a certain characteristics that you want the trade to have, and when you see that sort of pattern, you do it. You don't think about, oh, will this one work, or will, perhaps I, the last one lost, perhaps I won't do this one. No, you have a definite system that you've got in place, and you do it automatically without thinking. And that's what the whole benefit of habits is, to do things without having to think about them separately each time. Let's talk about the science of how habits work. Cue, craving, response, reward. Feelings of pleasure and disappointment are part of the feedback mechanism that helps your brain distinguish between useful actions and useless ones. James Clear says to make habits obvious, make it attractive, make it easy, make it satisfying. What are your thoughts? That sounds, that sounds to me a good recipe for a drug user, actually. But it does. You you think about it. That's what happens with drug users, that, and that's the habit they've got. I mean, I think that's quite true. I think that's how we do install habits. Unfortunately, I think it's far easier to install bad habits that way than good ones. Well, on that point, let's talk about dopamine. So habits are a dopamine feedback-driven loop. And dopamine plays a role in many neurological processes, including motivation, learning and memory. Now, the importance of dopamine first became apparent in 1954 with the neuroscientists James Old and Peter Milner. By planting electrodes in the brains of rats, they blocked the release of dopamine and the rats lost the whole will to live. They wouldn't eat, they wouldn't drink, they wouldn't have sex. But when they reversed this process and flooded the reward system of the rat's brains with dopamine, the animals performed at breakneck speed. In one study, mice received a powerful hit of dopamine each time they poked their nose into a box. And within minutes, the mice developed a craving so strong, they began poking their nose into the box 800 times per hour. How do we stimulate our dopamine reward levels? God, if only we knew. That sounds terrific. Uh, but, of course, that's how you instill any habit. That's simply uh, yeah, basic behaviorism. I don't know how we do this, really, without actually ingesting some substance, which will, with some of our illnesses, in fact, it's being done now, I think, now, the uh, 
injecting people with, I can't think of the name of the drug. Uh, they're using it a lot with Parkinson's disease and also um, for help with diabetics and so on. Apparently, uh, it is a very effective way of making people want things that are good for them, that are basically congenial, rather than my example of the drug user, to try to make good behaviour attractive and repetitious, wanting to be done over and over. It's, it's very much experimental at the moment, but they found that dopamine does have a very good effect on human beings. It's not only rats. They don't, don't envy the rats. What stimulates dopamine in humans? Cuddles do. Yes, yes. That's one of the big advantages, they say, of um, having a pet, particularly a dog, and why they're having dogs now in um, uh, nursing homes and hospitals and so on. But for even five or ten minutes with a dog, patting a dog and cuddling and so on, is better better therapy, imagine, than talking to a psychologist. <laughs> and cheaper. Uh, hard, hard to believe, I know. But it is it's very simple things like that do seem to stimulate dopamine in the brain. And anything that can be done to do that is going to make people feel happier and help in the formation of habits that are helpful rather than harmful. When you've checked off a thing to do on your to-do list, does that stimulate a rush of dopamine? Uh, yes, actually, it's anything you do that, that in a way makes you feel good. Something I get patients to do, this is to create a, a certain habit too, I get them to start thinking about great successes they've had in their life, times when they felt good about themselves. And sometimes it's very hard to get people to think of a single thing. But eventually you can get them to start thinking about things that are really good in their lives and so on. And then I get them to link that to a touch on their wrist. Uh, and you build up a connection so that every time they touch that spot on their wrist, they get good feelings because the good memories are associated with them. And that... Um, they strengthen that particular, well, habit. They strengthen that particular habit by every time something good happens to them, even something, as I said, something as simple as patting a dog and, and cuddling a dog and so on, they touch that spot and, strength, and strengthen the habit. And that's a really simple way of helping people feel so much better about themselves because we're very good at putting ourselves down and thinking of things we've messed up, but we're not so good at giving ourselves a pat on the back, and really that's what we should be doing. There was a study done ages ago called the Five-Minute Manager. A couple of Americans studied successful firms and unsuccessful ones, and they only found there was one thing that marked out the successful firm from the unsuccessful, is that they attempted to catch people doing something right and praise them for it. The unsuccessful ones were keen on catching people doing out something wrong and blaming them for it. Now, when you think of so much that happens in our schools and so much that happens within families, people are constantly doing the second one, finding things to blame, and we do it to ourselves. We find things we're doing wrong and blame ourselves instead of when we do something good, thinking, gee, I did that all right. And again, another another habit we were talking about, there is one habit I have is where people can do something that is um, when they feel really good about something you can get them to dwell on it think about it a lot during the day create the habit of thinking about something positive and another ha and the habit that's built on that is you, you get them having a um, 
a, a positive diary. That they, a lot of people have diaries, but the idea of a positive diary, the only things you put in it are positive things. And then at the end of the week, you can look at it and think, God, I thought it was pretty dreadful this week. Actually, I was all right. And that's really another one of these really good habits that is easy to install. Okay, so you mentioned repetition. And I'm going to tell a story about Arnold Schwarzenegger. When he started weight training, he was taught that it was all about marking down the number of reps he did. And the practice, in his words, had a huge effect on his motivation. Writing out his goals became second nature. And so did the conviction that there was no shortcut to take. So for him, it took thousands of reps to learn how to hit a great three-quarter back pose, deliver a great punchline, dance the tango in true lies, and say, I'll be back in just the right ways. And in his speeches as governor, you can see the counting strokes of over 50 times he would practice a speech. And in his words, whether you're doing a bicep curl in a chilly gym or talking to world leaders, there is absolutely no shortcuts. Everything is reps. What do you think, Dr. Harry? Yeah, I think that's, I think repetition is the key thing. There's a very simple, another habit that that reminded me of. Um, you, you have worry time. You set aside each day. And this is a habit that some people find hard to do. Others who do it, it's like magic. You set aside worry time each day. Let, let's just say you, you've decided on 4.30 and you're going to have a quarter of an hour's worry time. Anything, anything that happens earlier in the day, you're not allowed to worry about it then. You're going to worry about it in your worry time. Now, the interesting thing that happens, by the time you get to worry time, you've forgotten a lot of the things you're worried about. <laughs> but what you do for that quarter of an hour, or it might be half an hour, whatever you decide, you write down all the things that are worrying you. If you run out of things to say, you have to repeat yourself. But you have to write for the whole worry time about things that bother you. The next day, you still have your worry time. But when you come to worry time... You read what you've written the day before and then set fire to it, burn it. The next day you write, the day after you read and burn. The interesting thing is if you develop that habit, you'll find that most of the things that worry you don't worry anymore. They just simply disappear. Amazingly powerful technique. Yes, it is. It's one, uh, I've had people that have been to psychiatrists for well, sometimes years and years and with all sorts of things that bother them, and they do that one thing, and it does more good than all the all the years of stuff they've come back over. Environment. Environment is the hand that shapes your behaviour. Cue your environment to make a good habit. E.g., pack your gym bag at night. Something simple like that. Yeah, actually, that's something I used to do. I used to play a lot of tennis in my younger, better days. And I used to work, I still work with quite a few tennis players and so on. One thing I get them to do is, is for preparation, as they take off their street clothes, you imagine yourself taking off anxiety, stress, strain, fears, doubts, worries, all, all the everyday stuff that we have. And then with each article of tennis gear they put on, you're putting on confidence, confidence. Uh, will to win, all these sort of things. You, you get down to finally to tying up your shoelaces and as you tighten the shoelaces, you tighten up your 
confidence and zest and enjoyment of the game, that sort of thing. Now, that's a habit that once, I was saying tennis players, I use it with golfers a lot too. Once you start doing that, it is amazing how much you can improve your game, that you get out on the court psychologically keyed for success, and it's a really valuable habit to cultivate. The law of least effort. It's human nature to follow the law of least effort, which states that people will naturally gravitate towards the option that requires the least amount of work. The vital thing is to get a habit to stick is to feel successful, even in a small way. That's this. That's the whole idea of setting up sub goals. A lot of people uh, get carried away with this idea of setting goals and so on, and they set some really, you know, some really big goal, I'm, I'm going to going to give up alcohol totally for the rest of my <laughs> life sort of thing. And but you normally fail, of course. But what, what people often can do, though, and this comes back, of course, to the one something like the 1% thing, is that, in fact, you decide, all right, for one week, you're just going to reduce the number of nights you drink alcohol. Uh, and you hold that for a couple of weeks, three or four weeks, maybe. And then set up another sub-goal for yourself and another one and another one. And you have to keep congratulating yourself each time you achieve it. But lots of people, coming back to the point you raised originally, a lot of people find those sort of things too hard to do. It's too much like hard work. It's easier to go with the fact that I love getting drunk, more or less. Well, a lot of people do um, because when you're drunk, you forget forget a lot of the things that, are worrying you and upsetting you. There are a lot better ways of doing it than, than with alcohol, for, fortunately. But again, it's a matter of having some sort of... It's, it all comes back to discipline, doesn't it, really? Mental discipline, controlling what you do in a way that's going to be helpful to you. Final piece of advice for people wanting to develop good habits. I think one of the most important things, something we overlook again and again. We learn things almost well, from birth by imitating other people. We learn to walk, we see other people walking. We gradually learn to talk that way too and so on. I think one of the most effective things you can do is to, to get a model. Someone, someone you, let's say, just take, I, I do a lot of work with confidence building because people seem to find as they get older, they become less and less confident and harder and harder on themselves and often stop liking themselves and so on. But when, when to, one of the ways of helping people become more confident is ask them to say, look, do you know someone who you think, oh, if only I was as confident as her? If not, is there someone on TV or in movies that you think, if I could be confident like that? Joanna Lumley. I have a crush on Joanna Lumley. Have you? Yes. Yes. Actually, she does those those shows very well. Um, But the fact is, you then model your behaviour, just that part of your behaviour, not the whole lot, on how that person would have acted. And the interesting thing is, when you copy someone like that, you know for a start off you're, you're playing a part, and that's the way I put it to people, you're playing a part. After a while, they're not playing a part, they've, they've become like that. And I think that's one of the most powerful ways you can have of installing habits. 
thank you so much for your time coming back on to Talking Trading and Talking to Me. A pleasure always, Caroline. And that's all we have today with Dr. Harry Stanton on Atomic Habits. Stay tuned next week to hear Chris Tate, who is freshly back from a yoga retreat in Bali and all that he experienced. I'm Caroline Stephen. Have a wonderful week trading the markets. Take care. As always, if you like this show, please be sure to tell a friend. This is super important because word of mouth is the most powerful way that people can get in touch with us. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcast and make sure you give us a big fat five-star review because it helps people find us. You'll also notice that Talking Trading doesn't use sponsors and barely advertisers. This is because Chris Tate and Louise Bedford fund this show from tradinggame.com.au. If you'd like to get Louise's five-part free e-course, register at tradinggame.com.au. So until next week, happy trading. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regards to your own situation.